Good morning. I'm Kimberly and I am a deacon and associate pastor at All Souls Church in Phoenix. I'm so grateful that I can be with you all this morning and just grateful to Peter for asking me to share a word on the gospel reading today, Matthew chapter 13, verses 1 through 9 and 18 through 23. Well, as I began to reflect on this passage and just really kind of think through it and, and listen to what God had to say to me through it over the last couple of weeks, I kept coming back to a conversation that I had with a friend in college almost 20 years ago. So obviously that dates me saying that it's been about 20 years, but it also is significant to me because this conversation, it still sticks with me. And it's a conversation that the same friend and I actually um, come back to every once in a while still. And that was her, this friend, reflecting on the fact that she felt like she hadn't experienced a lot of suffering in her life. And it wasn't necessarily that she had tried to avoid suffering. She was realizing that she had certainly experienced quite a bit of privilege. And as somebody who knows Jesus, she was starting to wonder if the fact that she hadn't suffered or endured a lot of pain infected her ability to proclaim the gospel. And this conversation, it just got me thinking in that moment and, and then obviously into the future too. And at that moment, I didn't have much of a profound response for her, but she and I did talk about suffering and kind of the tendency sometimes as humans to compare people's hardships to others. This is worse or that is worse, that kind of a thing. But through the years, I have become convinced that a part of what we are called to as God's people and as sowers of his word is to develop a deep theology of suffering and also an ability to endure suffering, tension, and pain and to remain in it. And obviously, most of us don't have much control over maybe some of the suffering that we experience. But what about the suffering or the persecution that we experience because of the word? because of what we believe, things that we stay in and remain in because of who Jesus is. And this suffering, it can manifest itself in many different ways. And as we draw near to Jesus and who he is in this suffering, we remember and we realize that Jesus, he is no stranger to suffering. Jesus' status as King and Messiah was questioned his best friends betrayed him. He suffered and died on the cross for us. And as we develop this ability to suffer and remain in hard things, just as Jesus did, I think that we not only draw near to who he is and become more like him, but we also draw near to our brothers and sisters we have a better understanding of maybe some of the suffering or pain that they have experienced. It allows us to grow roots and develop and remain in this life that we are called to in Christ. My friend and I, we ended up, like I mentioned earlier, talking about this still more. And she has been able to see the manifestation of this more in her life and to develop this understanding of what we are called to as it relates to suffering as God's people. And that it has less to do with whether or not our life has been hard and more to do with decisions we make as followers of Jesus to remain in some of the hard stuff. In today's gospel passage from Matthew, if you've been in the church, you likely have heard it before. It's about the sower, the seed, and the soil. 
And it's rich with potential in terms of what we have to learn from it. And today I really want to talk about what it means to be people who are rooted in God's word, who remain in God's word, and also a people who don't discriminate in terms of how we are sowing seed and spreading it and scattering it far and wide. Obviously, I'm in Phoenix and you all are in Austin, so we're in different contexts, but there are things happening right now that we are all experiencing in very similar ways despite where we live, whether we live in the U.S. or outside of it, whether we live in Arizona or Texas. In this first section of the text today, Jesus lays out for us the four different types of seed. And then in the second portion of the text, he breaks it down for his disciples. And he says that when someone hears the good news but doesn't understand it, the evil one comes and snatches what was sown in their hearts. Well, this is that seed that was sown on the path that the birds came and snatched and picked up. And then Jesus talks about the person who hears immediately receives the word with delight, but doesn't have a root of their own. They only last a short time, and as soon as there's any trouble or persecution or tension or conflict or suffering because of the word, will they trip up? Well, this is the seed that is sown in the rocky soil, the seed that doesn't have roots or foundation, and as soon as it starts to grow up, the sun scorches it. Jesus then talks about the one, the the one who hears the word but is distracted by the world's worries and seduction. Well, these are the seeds that are planted in the thorns. And as the thorns grow up, they choke out the seeds. And lastly, Jesus talks about the seed that is planted in good soil. He talks about those who hear the word and understand. And then they share the gospel with others and it is multiplied more than we can ever even imagine. Each of these is a reality for us today. Some of them, it can be easier for us to dismiss. The idea of the evil one snatching and kind of waiting for us to, to fail or to be vulnerable, that's something that oftentimes we dismiss or overlook. But we are really people who are prone to looking for an easy faith or an easy way. And idolatry is all around us and the powers and principalities, well, they certainly exist still. In today's reading, Jesus isn't just describing different types of soil. He is describing our inner geography, our hearts. And most of us are rarely one type of soil. Sometimes we're even more than one type of soil at a time. If you imagine the places in which these different types of soil kind of overlap. So while it may be easy for us to be critical of one type of heart or soil over the other, this is truth for all of us. At one level, this parable should cause us to examine ourselves internally. It should cause us to become self-aware and reflective, considering the type of soil that we are, how rooted and grounded we are in the word. But it can also lead to a type of individualism if we stop there, if we consider only how this impacts us and our relationship with Jesus rather than looking outward and considering the cosmic scope of the gospel. If we are only thinking about this parable on an individual level, we are not, as the parable says, fully understanding. We hear, but we don't understand. 
it requires us to get outside of ourselves and our own worldview. And this certainly can be uncomfortable. It's not easy to get outside of our comfort zone, to get outside of our ideologies, our ideas of what the American dream might look like, things that we are familiar with. But when we do this, we are not only limiting ourselves, but we are limiting Jesus and the work of the Spirit. And soil, like humans, it's shaped by its environment. So if soil is walked on over and over again, it becomes packed down and hard. It is no longer ideal for planting of seed. And so when we see this in community too, we see people who have been walked over again and again, the least, the lost, the lonely, and they begin to develop a hard exterior to protect themselves, understandably so. And you've likely heard it too before that being a Christian isn't an easy thing. It doesn't guarantee an easy life. But if we don't fully understand the demands of Christian life, we may fall easily into these traps, into these categories. And maybe not in the ways that we expect. Sometimes we picture this as a person who completely abandons the faith, but it may look like siding with the powerful over the marginalized, over the least, the lost, and the lonely, the people who might begin to form these protective shells around themselves. It may also look like modern-day idolatry or nationalism or consumerism. If we aren't well-rooted in the Word and in a community of believers, we may hear the Word, receive it with joy, and, but actually be somewhat naive and not well-rooted. These are the people who may run when the going gets tough. They're the people who may be so excited and ready to be involved when they first come to know Jesus, but then grow weary quickly when they face persecution and criticism. I know I can relate to this, and I'm sure some of you have experienced this in your life. I think that there are even really current examples of this happening I want to look back to, to a letter that Dr. Martin Luther King wrote from a letter from the Birmingham jail. You may be somewhat familiar with it, but in this, I think that he really points this out, this danger of remaining kind of moderate or wishy-washy, of not being rooted in God and in his word. And he, King, Dr. King wrote this letter in response to clergy who had criticized him for his nonviolent resistance during the civil rights movement. So in his letter, I'm going to read just a piece of it. He says, I must confess that over the past few years, I have been gravely disappointed with the white moderate. I have almost reached the regrettable conclusion that the Negro's great stumbling block on his stride toward freedom is not the white citizen's counselor or the Ku Klux Klaner, but the white moderate, who is more devoted to order than to justice, who prefers a negative peace, which is the absence of tension, to a positive peace, which is the presence of justice, who constantly says, I agree with you in the goal you seek, but I cannot agree with your methods of direct action, who paternalistically believes he can set the timetable for another man's freedom, who lives by a mythical concept of time, and who constantly advises the Negro to wait for a more convenient season. Shallow understanding from people of goodwill is more frustrating than absolute misunderstanding from people of ill will. 
Lukewarm acceptance is much more bewildering than outright rejection. And so in that letter from King, we hear so much of that. We hear him talking about this shallow understanding from people of goodwill, from people of God who know scripture, but they are shallow, shallowly rooted in it. They don't have deep roots that when this tension arises, they can remain in it. And I think that we see examples of this today. Here in Phoenix, we've had the privilege of doing work for years with pastors and predominantly white churches around racial justice. And right now we are living through what seems to be for such a time as this, a unique season where people are awakening who haven't before. And some of this is due to tilling the soil that we have been working on for five, six, seven years with pastors here. Pastors who at one point certainly would have fallen into that white moderate, being more devoted to, to order than to justice for their black brothers and sisters, but pastors who are now rooted deeply in the word and can see that this truly is a gospel issue. So rather than calling for order and peace and kind of neatness, Rather than calling for comfort, for certainly what for them is comfort, they are now standing with their black brothers and sisters calling for justice. And certainly we can see how for some of these pastors, this feels scary. It's risky for them. They certainly face persecution. People leave their churches over this. But in doing this, they are remaining faithful to the word rather than fleeing when things get hard. And this is what we are called to. Today's gospel lesson clearly tells us this, but that we are at risk for, for fleeing from situations such as this. It's been a privilege to see these pastors make movement in this way, knowing that they then are sowing these similar seeds in their congregations, and it would have been easy to dismiss them, to dismiss these certain spaces and churches as ground that was rocky, that wasn't ready for this. But God, God works in them and through them. When we have a narrow vision for what fertile ground looks like, then we are limiting ourselves and we are limiting God. And as a people of God, there are times when we are called to remain in hard things and intention, just as Jesus did. If we aren't able to develop a muscle for this, then our witness is at risk. Our faith must be deeply rooted in the word, so much so that when an earthquake or a drought comes along, we remain present and planted and grounded. This may not feel like good news right now, especially in the middle of a pandemic. It's probably the last thing y'all want to hear that you need to, to suffer and remain in points of pain. But suffering, it is a part of human life, whether or not we're followers of Jesus. And how much faith, or how much joy and hope is there in the fact that we get to do this with Jesus as his followers? We have to trust that God will see the story to the end because he is who he says he is. He, we will certainly experience tension in this world, but we are not to abandon it. We are called to be a distinct type of people living in the midst of culture and not apart from it. And there's freedom in this. 
God is telling us to listen to this word, to hear it, understand it, and then act. There's no promise that things will be easy. We know that they won't be. Today's scripture talks about the enemy prowling, the anxiety of the age being ever present, and certainly we feel that now on personal levels as it might relate to financial strain, to not hitting certain goals we may have set for ourselves, to being quarantined at home with family. We also are experiencing this on a macro level and the ways that COVID is affecting us, the divisions that exist in our country right now, and the list goes on and on. The reality is, is that our hearts, they can't change on their own. We are in desperate need of Jesus, the word made flesh. And as followers of Jesus, we are invited into this holy work with him. We hear in this parable that there is also fertile ground. We shouldn't give up on the rocky ground or the thorny ground or the ground where the devil is prowling. This word from Jesus, it is an encouraging one. It's an encouraging one. And certainly there is a weightiness to it. There's a weightiness to being called to follow Jesus and to share the good news of the gospel. But Jesus's words, they should be encouraging to us, even if we see few results in those who we are serving and discipling. God is doing the work below the surface. He is causing growth that will manifest itself in due time. We need not despair if we don't see the results immediately. We have the privilege of being on mission with our God. And Jesus' approach to mission, well, it doesn't fit well with our play it safe mentality. And I think that this, this is where the challenge is. Jesus is the God of extravagant generosity, more than we could ever imagine. And he expects that we will apply this to our sharing of the gospel and to the lives of others. As sowers, we are to sow the seed widely, just as God offers his mercy widely. It may not feel practical. It may not look like the way that seed is planted today in a perfect line, but it is the way of God. And this parable, it offers us a different perspective. The worldview of Jesus, it gives us a glimpse into God's world and what God is like. Although the soils are all different, the sower sows the same seed and in all four soils with equal toil and love and hope and generosity. There is no soil that is left unsown, no ground declared undeserving of the sower's seed. There is no person that is undeserving of the word of God. This isn't about the quality of the dirt. It's about the quality of God, the divine sower, and we get to sow on his behalf. We may want to judge the kind of soil that we are or that others are, but that is for God. We should sow seeds everywhere, pay no attention to the quality of the soil. It may seem unwise, but this is about God's faithfulness and our opportunity to be faithful to him. In the kingdom of heaven, wastefulness gives way to hope. Wastefulness gives way to inefficiency, Inefficiency gives way to love and profitability. It gives way to generosity. God's economy is different than that of the world. And the story of God, it encompasses all of our life. 
our family, our school, our relationships, our extracurriculars, and so on. So when we hear this parable of the sower, we should be asking what type of soil are we? But also, how might, me, how might we nurture good soil in those around us and be present for people that we may easily overlook in their points of pain? Amen.